Hello, and welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy. My guest today is Jennifer Longmore. She is the CEO of Soul Journeys, an elite business coach, best-selling author, podcaster, and world-renowned as a leading authority on soul purpose. Jennifer has been coaching for more than 15 years and has conducted 30,000 coaching sessions. She's helped athletes, celebrities, CEOs, and many more to shine their light and enjoy the journey. I hope that you find some great insight in this episode. Jennifer, it's such a pleasure and an honor to have you. I know that even just some of our chatting off record, this is going to be so much fun. I know that we're going to have a lot in common to talk about. So tell me a little bit about you. I know that your mission is all about soul journeying, and I would love to hear a little Mm -hmm. bit about the journey that your soul has experienced in this lifetime. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I Pre-COVID, my sense of purpose was pretty strong, but once I really understood, and and I can't even say that. I, I shouldn't say that. I don't understand the magnitude of this. I have a sense of the magnitude of this, and the magnitude of this has lit such a flame in my belly and and really strengthened my conviction of purpose and my conviction to serve. And I didn't plan this, but I'm actually busier than ever because people can feel the power of that and they want to be in that vortex. And I only share this because I know everyone is experiencing this differently. And what I can say just from what I'm observing is that for the people that are still showing up and leading, even though this is uncomfortable and even though this is a really weird mind game in a lot of ways, right? Like every day it's like, am I going to go down the rabbit hole or am I just going to pretend like I'm going to color in my Mandela book? And you know, but I'm like every day is different, right? But for those folks that are just showing up and holding space in a very solid, like 200 year old tree energy, being super grounded and saying, do a trust fall on me. I've got you. Those are the folks that are thriving during this time, even if they're not making a lot of money because people are so appreciating that, right? They can feel it. They're, they're magnetized to that energy. I, I really don't mean that in a judgy way because I get that there's a necessity for people to contract. There's some people that have lost things that we don't know what they've lost because they're not coming and telling us, right? Because they're needing to process at first. And I just know that for those people that were really selling themselves as leaders before all of this, that aren't perceived to be showing up as that now. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I know that people are actually observing that more than they are the people that are showing up, right? And so whatever we need to do to keep serving, I mean, I think the greatest way to get out of our own stuff, even if it's just for moments of time, is to focus on how can I add some light to someone else's life? You know, so my sense of purpose, back to the question, is just like, it's so different now because my guides have told me very clearly that I need to be very vigilant about protecting my third eye and my energy field and that I need to really help other people do that to avoid any distraction energy, to avoid any, I'll say, interference of any kind. And so 
back to the story, you know, I went for my first past life regression when I was four with my parents. I didn't know I was a channel at that time, but I'd have all these adults swim up to me in this wading pool while my parents were getting their regression and they'd say, oh, hello, little girl, tell us the meaning of the universe. And I would be like, well, the meaning of the universe is blah, 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 you know, and I would go into this like, <laughs> diatribe and they would all start swimming up going, oh my goodness, this is like a little Buddha. Of course, I didn't know that other people weren't experiencing that, right? I didn't, when we're kids, we think everyone's life is like ours. We have no concept until we really start going out and having play dates and sleepovers and stuff where we're like, that's weird. Those parents are drinking a lot. My parents don't do that or, you know, whatever it is, right? And you start to go, oh, maybe we don't all have the same life. But I had to censor myself a lot because when I would tell people things, I would make them feel uncomfortable. And that wasn't my goal. I re it really hurts me to know that something I've done has made someone else feel badly. Now, I get that that isn't necessarily true now. But at the time, I really didn't know what I was doing or who I was being that was so uncomfortable for people. So I contracted. I tried to figure out how to be a chameleon, which has served me well because I can really get a feel for people's energy and what do they need for me and how can I show up for them. But from a censorship perspective, you know, I really swallowed my voice a lot because I didn't know why people were having the reactions that they were. But I was just freaking them out because I knew things that I thought they knew. I just thought I was having a regular conversation, not knowing that I was telling them things that I shouldn't have actually known. Yeah, and then be scary for you. Fast forward. I guess scary would be a great way to describe it. It was just kind of perplexing, right? And and so as kids, we're motivated to fit in. And so I needed to figure out what does the crowd want for me? And that feels really gross, right? It just feels gross to have that herd mentality even now. And it didn't feel good at that time. That I knew. I just didn't know any other way. But me resisting these gifts, which at the time I thought were curses, was they weren't going away. Me pretending like they weren't there or me being angry or me cursing the universe or whatever, they weren't going away. So eventually in my late teens, I said, well, I guess I could just lean into these and see, <laughs> you know, if there's another way. You could try that route. And then it became fun. Yeah, I could try the non-resistant route. <laughs> and uh, But I was still conditioned to have a conventional path, right? Most of us are taught. I'm not saying all of us, but a good chunk of us are taught that a job is security and that's a noble way to make a living and you're meant to dedicate your life to an employer and then you retire and then you go to Mexico for half the year and drink margaritas on the beach, right? Like that's kind of the image that's painted for most of us. And so I went to university, I graduated as a forensic social worker, I went in and investigated crimes against children and other really crazy, crazy stuff for a really long time. So I learned a lot about human behavior, but I had this calling still, right? So that was great conditioning. That was, I basically got a PhD in every possible aspect of human behavior you can imagine, right? Just from, from work experience. And I learned how to be in my power because I had to learn how to use my power effectively. And I needed to learn how to stand in my power when I was on the stand as an expert witness and, you know, all kinds of things. But I had this calling to do what I do now. And so I've been doing this for 16 years full time. I was doing it kind of on the down low for a long time because of the nature of the work I was doing. You're saying so many good things. I'm still on the 200-year-old tree metaphor <laughs> because it's such beautiful energy and wisdom. And you're right, like being able to lean on real leaders in this time is invaluable. But I'm interested in what the biggest turning point for you 
to be able to shine your light and feel like you could crack out and be exactly who you are and feel super comfortable in talking about these things, which still may be uncomfortable for some people to hear. I'm wondering what the biggest kind of pivot for you to step where you are was. That's a great question. You know, when I first started my business, I was hiding in my house, thinking that the client stork was going to drop clients off on my doorstep and they'd come in my home and I would do some Reiki on them or whatever I was doing at that time. They'd get picked up again. All I'd have to do is put some business cards up in a health food store and everyone would find me. All I'd have to do is declare to the universe that my business was open and the clients would just flood in. And really what it was is that I was just afraid. I was afraid of people from my past finding out all of these detectives and other public health nurses and doctors and people I had to spend a lot of time with finding out that I was a crazy woo-woo person, right? And of course I'm not, and anyone listening probably knows I'm just joking when I say that. But I realized that my fear shifted from being fear to being a joke. After about two months of living Groundhog Day, I was like, Groundhog Day is really boring. There's nothing inviting about this. It's costing me a lot of money. I'm leaving a lot of money on the table by not just getting out there and serving and taking a stand and being a steward for my business. And quite honestly, if I think about these people, do I really care what they think? No, I really didn't care because if they couldn't accept me for who I was, then I didn't actually want them in my life. That was a very big paradigm shift where I was like, wait a minute, I get to decide who's in my life. They don't get to decide whether I get to be in their life. Yeah, definitely. Right? So if they can't accept, accept me for who I am, then I actually don't want that kind of energy because I, I have too much service to do on this planet. I can't be trying to be puppeted by other people's agendas and emotions and beliefs and so on because otherwise I'll just keep chasing my tail trying to please everyone. Absolutely. So that was amazing. <laughs> it, was, it was amazingly free. And the funny thing is, is that most of those people congratulated me most of those people said to me, you know, we always knew you were intuitive. You seem to always know things about cases that we never had any tangible proof for. We kind of knew that you were this way. We just didn't know if you wanted to talk about it or we didn't know if you knew that about yourself. So we just didn't bring it up. And I also started to learn from all the work that I did because I worked with people in the underground entertainment industry, if you know what I'm saying. I worked with people that used to be collectors for the mafia. Not that I was seeking these folks out. They would just come to me. I worked with blackjack dealers. I worked with teachers, police officers, people picking up our garbage and cashiers and CEOs of major, major entertainment companies and actors and everyone. And I realized that most of us actually are this way. It's just that we're not always in a circle that gives us permission to talk about this stuff. And so part of my work has been to help people speak the truth and understand that there are almost 8 billion people on this planet. Not everyone's going to love you. In fact, some people are going to hate your guts and it won't be because of anything you did. It's just them mm -hmm. because what people see in us is a reflection of them, but how we react to them is a reflection of us. So if we just stay true to our purpose, then it's actually very liberating. Absolutely. It's so interesting to see and to hear that you had fear and to kind of listen to the trajectory to now where you've helped 
over a hundred thousand souls in a hundred countries and can mm-hmm. proudly claim to be the number one expert on soul purpose. So it's mm-hmm. really inspiring for people that feel something inside of them is bubbling up and that they do have a voice, they do have a purpose. And how do I get there? So I love to be able to see this whole trajectory because it's it's quite a transformation. It is. And it, it's so funny to hear those things reflected back because I think in our life, regardless of what we're doing, we're literally just going moment to moment and life is just a bunch of moments that are strung together, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like I even had that as part of my plan. I didn't say, oh, I'm going to touch 100,000 lives through my business. It just kind of happened. And because in the beginning of my business, I got out of my own way. What happens is when you do readings for people and they feel good, they go and tell everyone and their uncle. And everyone and their uncle tends to not be local. People have friends and family all over the world. So I became a global business very, very quickly. And then I had a waiting list very quickly, which is a a nice problem to have. And I wish that I had known different things then that I know now, like you should probably hire some team members and (laughs) you should probably get an automated scheduler and you should probably (laughs) have better boundaries around your time and you should probably charge more because you've got way too many people waiting to talk to you. But it, it was really a gift. And so I think we all just kind of have to start somewhere and, and we also evolve too. I'm sure you've had that right with your journey. Like I obviously am still committed to helping people and I know you are as well. Just the ways in which I do that. I didn't plan on evolving into business coaching for service-based businesses. It just kind of happened. And I didn't plan on having a certification program. It just kind of happened. These were all things that people made requests of me and I had to tune in and say, okay, well, is that something that I want to do? When I started this, I just thought, oh, I'm going to do readings and I'm going to teach Reiki and I'm going to, you know, just have some fun meditation classes. And that will literally be the next 40 some years of my life. Wow. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's interesting now, like even though you didn't set out to actually have a metric of touching those, that quantity of people, now you do, right? Like now one of your goals is to affect or help or support a million people. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. Pretty cool. That's pretty major. That's like a, a pretty lofty goal. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Oof, yeah. So one of the gifts of what we're experiencing right now, and I get that there's a lot of stuff that's not, not great, but I think most of us that have a certain level of attachment to Maslow's hierarchy of needs and we're self-actualizing can at least look at this and say, okay, there's a lot of poopy things that are happening, but what are the gifts? And one of the gifts is that it, it really deepened me into the urgency of doing the stuff that I kept saying I was going to do, but it was one of those long-term projects. I'll just kind of let it take care of itself. Whereas now I'm super focused. So I'm amping up the amount of teachers I'm training this year in my certification program, because then of course they're going to train other people to be consultants and what we do. And then, you know, that, that exponential effect is going to a big part of it. Absolutely. We were actually in talks for me to create a TV show, like a reality show for folks to help them with their money in kind of the money mindset piece. And then naturally we had to pause that even just for physical distancing purposes. And then I realized just based on what I'm seeing with censorship and what people can post and what they can't, that I'm actually going to control my own dialogue. I'm going to create my own broadcasting platform. Nice. That's going to be the best way I can reach more people because I really want other people that are spreading light to have a platform to showcase their brilliance without any censorship. 
It won't mean because I believe everything they say and I don't need to, but I really got that guidance a few weeks ago. And, and the more I see that certain content is being blocked and certain content isn't being blocked, that really should be, you know, I'm talking pre COVID, like there's way too many violent videos on YouTube and stuff that really <laughs> should be more of the priority to be censoring. Right. So I'm going to be doing that and really creating my own show. I used to say that summits were like the shoulder pads of the online space. There was a time where I would just get so giddy, right? People would invite me to a summit way back, like 10 plus years ago. I'd be like, oh my God, I want a summit. And then there came a point where it just bubbled, right? Yeah. And now we can see that those are kind of making a resurgence because what other option do people have if we can't be speaking in, in person and we want to be helping people and broadcasting our message. So I'll be putting together things like that. And I had already been in talks about within the, you know, broadcasting your message sort of platform. I had co-authored a book with my clients. And so I'm going to be offering more opportunities for people to publish through my company and, and things like that. So that's kind awesome. of an interesting three books, right? Three best-selling books. Is that one of them or is that a new one? It's actually, I've written three. Well, that one actually, so that's four best-selling books co-authored. And then I've written six other books and three of those are bestsellers. So I've had 10 Eight. books published in total. Eventually you have to just yeah, stop um, saying, I've, had, I've yeah. published 75 <laughs> books, right? Like you just have to let it go. <laughs> Did you ever just wish there was a group of high vibe women entrepreneurs that you could hang out with? A place where you could share your wins, get a biz question asked, and be around people that just get you. Well, there is my friend. It's my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group. I created a place on the web where like minds and open hearts could continue the conversations that we start here on the podcast. Fulfill your desire to develop friendships with women from around the globe, women who are on the solopreneur journey just like you. Now more than ever, we are craving authentic connections. Believe me, your voice matters, your work matters. And having the support of a close-knit community can make all the difference in the world. So head over to Facebook and go to facebook.com slash groups slash Women Developing Brilliance and request to join my private Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group, the gathering place for heart-centered female entrepreneurs looking to create an impact, increase their income, and connect deeply with themselves and others in the process. I can't wait to welcome you in my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group, where you'll be encouraged to introduce yourself, ask a question, and meet other ambitious lightworkers just like you. Again, it's facebook.com slash groups slash Women Developing Brilliance. I'll catch you there. When you write, is it, do you find that the information is being channeled through you? I know you have a lot of guides that that come and support you. How is the writing process for you to be that prolific of a writer? Oh, geez. That's, that's a big statement. <laughs> I don't know if I'm prolific. But yeah, it is channeled. Some of the books make me very cross-eyed when I write them because I'm getting worked on as I channel them. And that's when I know the information's good. If I really can't even stay in my body and focus, then I know something big is happening. Sometimes it's just easier for me to talk out the information for the book. So I decide what chapters I want. I talk through each chapter. I hire someone to transcribe that for me because it's actually just way more efficient 
And then I have someone on my team that organizes my thoughts. Then they send me the draft. Then I read through it and fill in the blanks where I want to add stuff. Then they re-edit it again. And then I have a graphic designer. Some of it's been handwritten. I'm actually about to release a book on medical intuition because I think it's pretty timely for people to take a look at their body and what certain things mean and So I have the manual for that. I need to build it out into more of a book. So I have to add some anecdotes and stuff. And so for me, I have so much to do. And I think this is a tip for anyone that wants to write a book or wants to write more books that it doesn't really matter how the words come out as long as they come out and you just find a way to organize your thoughts. And for me, it's actually easier for me to think when I'm just talking out my thoughts than trying to type out my thoughts. I'm way too quick to constantly edit what I've typed and then I want it to be spelled right. And so it's actually very inefficient for me to do it that way. Like even for newsletters now, my team will take old content that I've written, refresh it, send it to me. So instead of me taking an hour to write a blog, it now takes me five minutes because all I'm doing now is going in and reading it and saying, is this reflective of the tone I want it to hold? Is this, you know, reflective of the times we're in? And is this actually a contribution to people? So that way I can really focus on my zone of genius, which is serving people. Love it. So Jennifer, I know that a big part of your focus has been helping people with their money stories or money mindset, money blocks. How has that shifted now in the current climate? And if you were had, had to kind of predict how it was going to unfold as we get deeper into 2020, what do you think it's going to look like for people? What do you think their biggest pain point is going to be? Where are they going to need the, the most support? That's a great question. Everyone's experiencing this differently. So there's some folks that just weren't doing what they needed to do already for the health of their business before this went down. And now they're kind of beating themselves up. And what I'm noticing about this time is it it's magnifying stories and patterns that already existed pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that anyone's right or wrong for that. It just means that if someone was in a feast or famine cycle and they needed to wait for a sense of urgency before they finally looked at their business, Here it is. this is an opportunity to shift that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to shift that pattern, right? Mm-hmm. And if people were abdicating responsibility and thinking that hiring a coach, just the simple act of hiring a coach was going to all of a sudden make things better for their business, then there's an opportunity to not be ostriching in the sand, you know, and not looking their money in the eyes and not kind of showing up as the CEO. And then there's folks that were doing really well, but then truly, like I mentioned, the clients I have that have physical locations, they're doing what they can to shift that. The thing about what's happening right now in the economy is that this isn't actually a recession yet based on definition of a recession. A recession is two quarters back to back where you know, the economy is showing certain patterns. We're not even through the first quarter. Now, does it mean we're not going to go into what's classified as maybe a, you know, world health induced recession? We don't really know. A lot of people are talking about that, but I don't think we want to be energizing that. And and I'm going to be honest here and make a bold statement because I've made some posts on this that I think it's really irresponsible for people to be marketing about recession-proofing your business mm-hmm. because we're not in a recession. We don't want to call that energy in. Additionally, most people that are talking about that have not even run a business through the recession of 2008. And so I think if we're going to be listening to anyone, we need to either listen to seasoned business owners who... Absolutely either lived through that and really sucked at it. And I mean, that was love, right? But they learned so much from it that they actually are in a position to teach or people that thrived through that time. CPAs, 
and financial advisors that are independent of selling products that benefit a larger company as opposed to the client. I incidentally, and I did a Facebook live on this last week, I started my business, you know, 2003, 2004. So I did run my business through the recession, Mm -hmm. but I didn't even really get it. I really didn't understand that we were in a recession because I was just so focused on service. Incidentally, during this live, I realized in the moment, you can see the capture of my face on it where I was like, oh my goodness, I had a massive financial breakthrough in that recession. I quadrupled my income. I had a list of 650 people. I still wasn't an online business yet, right? I serve people around the world, but I didn't have the typical infrastructure of the freebies and all the stuff. And I had a list of 650 people because of course, I didn't know that list building was was a thing, right? I just let people join join my newsletter randomly and I sent out one email and I made $250,000 from that one email. Wow. And then I sent out a follow-up email and did some follow-up calls and I made another 150k in a very short period of time and then of course things kept snowballing from that. And I don't share that to brag. I share that because yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad that you shared it. It's it's awesome and it's really valuable points on what is kind of clickbaity and kind of trendy to bring people in and then re- what really has grounded rooted wisdom from real results and experience of of people that mm. have lived through it so i get that and i'm glad that you brought it up i'm curious though because i've noticed a couple different things where you talk about if people think that just doing mantras and meditating are going to get them to where they need to be in their business they might want to think again. And and the other aspect of, I'm feeling a little bit of like, how do you bring in the balance of the masculine and the feminine energy? So there is a combination of faith and following your intuition, but then also having framework and structure and goals and metrics and all that good stuff. I love that you bring that up. I think back to your point. Yeah. I just think it's irresponsible marketing and it's not, it's not good. What people really want is financial resilience right? They want to be taught financial resilience so that regardless of what's going on in the economy, they don't have to go into panic because it's really hard to create. It's really hard to innovate when we're in, you know, when we're actually frozen. And a lot of people are frozen in trauma right now. And I really have a lot of empathy for them. Like in any economy, you know, it's great to do mantras and it's great to do mindset work. And I think we have to be mindful of what we let into our mind and what we don't. We want to really be focusing on genius habits, studying people that are financially successful. A lot of those folks right now, in all honesty, are kind of irritating me because they have so much privilege. They're not, they're trying to give everyone a big pep talk when the dissonance between where the majority of people are and where these folks are that have private jets. And I'm happy that they have them. I'm not begrudging that. I'm just saying that this whole, don't worry, we'll get through it you've got this, this too shall pass. And just constantly bypassing what people are really experiencing is not helpful. I really want to teach people some strategies. And there's a lot of ways, very practically, but we do have to have a nice balance. I always say that we have to have aligned thought plus aligned action equals aligned results. Mm -hmm. So for lead generation, for example, right now, who are folks that have active, engaged communities where your ideal clients are hanging out? Go and find a way to create a win-win-win for them for you for the clients right instead of going on summits where 10 people are opting in and spending 20 hours a week constantly going and putting your name out there in ways where the ripple effect isn't really that efficient right we should always 
look at what are the masculine energies we can engage in? Where's the efficiency? Where, where's the biggest bang for our buck, so to speak? Sure. Because in any economy, we either spend time or we spend money building our business and building new customers, right? And, and deepening our relationship with existing customers. So right now, most of us are probably going to be spending time more so than we're spending money in certain ways, right? To grow our influence and to build customers because in any business, it's actually not about sales. It's about building customers. If you build customers, right, then you'll still be in business. Yes, sales are important, but the sale, we don't want transactional sales because that actually costs money to constantly go and create a new transaction. If we're focused on building customers, it's going to help. And for some people, they can't be making money right now, sadly, you know, in the ways they're used to because their business truly is shut down and or they're considered a luxury service in such a way that people are just kind of looking at what's a financial priority and what's not. But we can still build customers by way of showing up as leaders and adding value and offering to help people in different ways, offering you know, a new service that maybe is more affordable, that feels good for everyone involved. There's a lot of ways to do that so that when this passes in whatever way, and none of us know, anyone who's saying they know exactly how this is going to play out, they do not know. None of us know. Even for those of us that are highly in tune, because there's so many possibilities of how this can play out. But what we do know is that at the core of this, our root chakras are being really activated right now. Our tribal energy is being challenged because we're all being taught to look at each other as though we're dirty and we're going to potentially kill each other by way of spreading an invisible enemy. Yeah. And I'm just kind of using words that I see online. Our money's being affected and our food sources, you know, we're being, we're going into this energy of, do we have to worry about scarcity and all that stuff, right? It's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And so to try and predict that is like, how do we do that? But we do know that we need to create financial resilience to start to balance out some of that root chakra stuff. And so, like I said, there's a lot of ways people can do that, but we do need to still take action. And a lot of people are being told they can't solve right now. And I would say that in fact, the economy needs money circulating right now. If we bring everything to a halt, the cause and effect of that, I think is, is bigger than just finding ways to keep that energy flowing. For sure. You talked about highly in tune and you also talked about guides sharing with you to protect your third eye. I'm wondering if you can give like practical tips for people who are in that highly sensitive arena. What can they do when they're starting to feel this like global unrest and tapping into the collective consciousness that's maybe like bringing them down, causing disruption or even some physical challenges? How would you help or guide them to protect their energy? I love that you're asking that. There's just so many things. First of all, social media, the increase in time on social media right now is up between 35 to 50%, they're estimating. Major. And that's because we're all craving connection and it's kind of the main way we're connecting right now. But oh my goodness, I don't have to tell you <laughs> that there's a lot of polarizing information on there. There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of rabbit holes being offered up on a silver platter, right? There's just a lot going on there. And I know for me, you know, my, all my clients are there. I, I get a lot of business from social media, but I also hold a lot of Facebook groups, for example, for paid and free programs. Sure. And so I do need to be on there, but I'm mindful of, of who comes into my feed. I'm super mindful of my boundaries and what I'll allow in there and what I won't. So for some people, I just kind of silence them for 30 days. I don't mean I'm silencing them, right? But just the noise that's coming into my newsfeed. 
but I'm much more vigilant about how much time I'm spending on social media because it is, there is, if we're sensitive to energy, you will feel it for sure on social media. I don't let in any major media. I really haven't for years. So this isn't a COVID thing. I just really am aware of certain agendas that are run through major media. That's my, my perspective. So I don't allow any of that in. I question all of my sources and I question my questions because we will allow in information that matches the consciousness that we want to hold. So we only ask questions that allow us to continue the narrative that we want to keep having. And so if that's new information to somebody, it's really chunky. So can you Mm -hmm. just pause and explain to someone that maybe has never heard that before what you mean by it? About questioning the questions? No, about allowing what to the consciousness level that we have is what we allow that to come in and hold. So I'll use a, a pretty basic example, and, but an extreme example to, to illustrate a point. So if as women we're conditioned to believe that all men are cheaters, then we will only see men through that lens. Mm-hmm. And then we end up dating men that are cheaters. We end up having friends that are getting cheated on. We watch movies where men are always cheating on women. And so our experience with men is going to be through that lens of we're always getting cheated on. And we only allow an information to go, see, another guy, cheater, eh, told you. And we get bitter, we get resentful, we have whatever, right? Now that's just a, a basic example, just because I know it's very common in the, in the collective. So alternately, if we believe that government always has our best interest in mind, then we can only allow in information that holds that narrative. And we also get highly irritated with anyone that would suggest that the government just doesn't love us up and they're doing wonderful things with our money all the time and so on. Or that, you know, for me, I have a different angle because I did work in the court system for a long time and I'm very, very clear that you can find anyone for the right price to go on the stand and hold the narrative that either the prosecution or the defense wants you to believe to support their case, right? And so if we're going to believe that science is going to get us through this, Already, we have highly, highly educated, well-qualified, well-versed scientists that specialize in viruses, pathology, epidemiology that are holding very different views. And so if science is pure and absolute, then why is there so much discrepancy on what's going on? I'm not saying there's a right or wrong, but I'm saying that if we can just allow ourselves to live in the question and at least entertain other possibilities... It doesn't mean we have to believe any of it, but in life, we'll find that as we evolve and as we shift, our perspectives tend to shift. But if we want to get through this time where we're all literally cracked open, it's uncomfortable to say the least, right? We have been completely cracked open. The ways we viewed things are different. Our understanding of certain friendships, like there's a lot of friendships that have collapsed because people are holding opposing views. There's just so much happening. There's a lot to process. There is. And we're not going to get through this in a linear way. There's no linear way to navigate this. And so that means we also want to be giving ourselves permission to step out of linear thinking and at least just be in a field of possibilities so that we aren't too doomsday-ish, but we're all also yeah. not too Pollyanna-ish, right? We need to kind of that. be holding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Cool. That's amazing. How can people learn more about you? 
Well, I do have a free money gift, right? Because we didn't get too much into that today. And, and I do think they're applicable to any, any timeline, but I do have a free gift that helps people get clear on common money blocks and, and actually how to shift those. Awesome. So that's at souljourneys.ca forward slash money. I spend an awful lot of time, maybe too much time on Facebook. I have a group called the Purpose Posse, which is for, for spiritual business owners that want to scale their business. It's free. And, you know, I have other social media, but where I spend the most time is actually on Facebook. That's kind of my family. I know not everyone resonates with it, but that's where I spend a great deal of time. So awesome. I'll make sure to put the links in the show notes so people can can gravitate to you and learn more about you. Yeah. Awesome. What, what would you like to leave as some bright light wisdom before we close up? I think that if we can remember that there actually are a field of different possibilities right now, and the one that gets most energized is the one that just is naturally going to play itself out. And so the more we can keep non-light perspectives out of our field, the more we can just really focus on being in nature, if we can, keeping our energy clear, focusing on the outcomes we do want, sending light around the planet, sending light to the government, sending light to the economic structures and so on. It may seem like a fluffy thing to do, but we know the power of intention is really strong. And so if we can hold the intentions we want to have, that's at least something in the midst of feeling like we're not having a lot of control over a lot of things. Beautiful. I love it. Awesome. Let's just continue the positive ripple effect and you know, really step into being light workers and not afraid of it. I, I really love the fact that you touched on how in your past you felt you needed to dim your light. And I think that now, while everything is cracked open, there's like an open permission slip for people to step into leadership, not be afraid of their light and start sharing it in a very open way. So I'm excited for the change. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, Jennifer. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on women developing brilliance. If so, head on over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.